Hey, welcome into Positive Light, where we're bringing a positive influence into this world and into your lives. And I'm Bob Miles. So, I believe we need a break today. Forget about what's going on in this world for 30 minutes, and just listen to some funny stories and quotes. I hope it will make you smile, and maybe even laugh a little. So, let's just relax and listen. Enjoy. Let the world of events just be outside for this period of time. And out of Ecclesiastes 3.4, there is a time to weep and a time to laugh. You know, Jesus experienced joy, surprise, love, and lightheartedness. The Gospels contain a picture of Jesus as a well-rounded man. He was magnetic and enjoyed being around people. We can read much laughter and joy into Jesus' in interactions with children. He carried them and loved time with them. It is, it is in a child's nature to play and experience joy. Oftentimes we envy the joyful innocence and laughter of children. Children were drawn to Jesus, and Jesus stated that children should be able to run to him unhindered. So when I was a young Christian, I was introduced to a Christian comic named Mike Warnke. He told the story of buying a horse in Kentucky. The story went like this. So buying horses in Kentucky can be a tough thing. You have to be in with the good old boys, and you have to do what they do. And there was three things the good old boys in Kentucky you'd had to do before they'd sell your horse. And the first one was you had to have a pickup truck. And on that pickup truck, you had to have a ball hitch. Well, I had that. Had a pickup truck and had a ball hitch. No problem. The second thing you had to have, you had to have a gun rack in your truck, but no guns in it. You had to have fishing poles in it. And I had that. I had a gun rack and I had fishing poles like fishing. No problems. The third thing, that was the one that kind of got a little tough. The third thing you had to do was you had to chew and spit tobacco. So I, I don't spit tobacco. So I had to figure out a way to somewhat chew and spit tobacco to buy a good horse. So I'm thinking and I'm thinking. I went, aha, I got it. So I went down to the local store and I picked up some Tootsie Rolls. I also picked up a pencil sharpener and a can of Copenhagen. Now, when I got back home, I took those Tootsie Rolls, took the pencil sharpener, and I ground the Tootsie Rolls up in the pencil sharpener. Took the Copenhagen can, cleaned it out as best I could, dumped it all out, cleaned it, put those Tootsie Rolls chewed up into the Copenhagen can. So now I can spit and chew with the best of them. In fact, they think I was pretty tough because every third spit I'd swallow, and they'd go, wow, every third spit that guy swallows. So I got some horses from Kentucky. And it all introduced me to my uh, guardian angel named Bubba. And I knew Bubba was my guardian angel. Why? Because when we first met, Bubba pulled a Copenhagen can out of his back pocket and said, Tootsie? So Mike Warnicke had a controversial past, but his message touched me and it made me laugh. So the next story I'm going to tell you is called Noah in the 21st Century. And we thought we had problems. If Noah had lived in the United States in the last 10 years, the story may have gone something like this. And the Lord spoke to Noah and said, In one year I'm going to make it rain and cover the whole earth with water until all flesh is destroyed. But I want you to save the righteous people and two of every kind of living thing on earth. Therefore, I'm commanding you to build an ark. In, in fear and trembling, Noah took the plans and agreed to build the ark. Remember, said the Lord, you must complete the ark and bring everything aboard in one year. Exactly one year later, fierce storm clouds covered the earth, and all the seas of the earth was in a frenzy. The Lord saw that Noah was sitting 
in his front yard weeping. Noah, he shouted, where's the ark? Lord, please forgive me, cried Noah. I did my best, but there were a big problems. First, I had to get a permit for construction, and your plans did not meet the building codes. I had to hire an engineering firm and redraw the plans. Then I got into a fight with OSHA over whether or not the ark needed a sprinkler system and approved flotation devices. Then my neighbor objected, claiming it was violating zoning ordinances by the building of the ark in my front yard. So I had to go to the variance from the city planning commission. Then I had problems getting enough wood for the ark because there was a ban on cutting trees to protect the spotted owl. I finally convinced the U.S. Forest Service that I really needed the wood to save the owls. However, the Fish and Wildlife Service won't let me take the two owls. The carpenters formed a union and went on strike. I had to negotiate a settlement with the National Labor Relations Board before anyone could pick up a saw or hammer. Now I have 16 carpenters on the ark, but still no owls. When I started rounding up the other animals, an animal rights group sued me. They objected to me taking only two of each kind of board. The suit is pending. Meanwhile, the EPA notified me that I cannot complete the ARC without filing an environmental impact statement on your proposed flood. They didn't take very kindly to the idea that they had no jurisdiction over the conduct of the creator of the universe. Then the Army Corps of Engineers demanded a map of the proposed floodplain. I sent them the globe. Right now, I'm trying to resolve a complaint filed with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission that I am practicing discrimination by not taking atheists aboard. The IRS has seized my assets, claiming that I'm building the ark in preparation to flee the country and avoid paying taxes. I just got a notice from the state that I owe them some kind of user tax and filed to register the ark as a recreational watercraft. And finally, the ACLU got the course to issue an injunction against further construction of the ark, saying that since God is flooding the earth, it's a religious event and therefore unconstitutional. I really don't think I can finish the ark for another five or six years. Noah waited. The sky began to clear, the sun began to shine, and the seas began to calm. A rainbow arched across the sky, and Noah looked up hopefully. You mean you're not going to destroy the earth, Lord? No, he said sadly, I don't have to. The government already has. So this next one will make you smile. It's called the pickle jar. As far back as I can remember, the pickle jar sat on the floor beside the dresser in my parents' bedroom. When he got ready for bed, Dad would empty his pockets and toss his coins into the jar. As a small boy, I was always fascinated at the sounds of the coins made as they dropped into the jar. They landed with him. Merry jingle when the jar was almost empty, then the tones gradually muted to a dull thud as the jar was filled. I used to squat on the floor in front of the jar and admire the copper and silver coins that glittered like a pirate's treasure when the sun poured through the bedroom window. When the jar was filled, Dad would sit at the kitchen table and roll the coins before taking them to the bank. Taking the coins to the bank was always a big production. Stacked neatly in a small cardboard box, the coins were placed between Dad and me on the seat of his old truck. Each and every time as we drove to the bank, Dad would look at me hopefully. Those coins are going to keep you out of the textile mill, son. You're going to do it better than me. The old mill town not going to hold you back. Also, each and every time as he slid the box of rolled coins across the counter at the bank toward the cashier, he would grin proudly. There are for my son's college fund. 
He'll never work at that mill all of his life like me. We would always celebrate each deposit by stopping for an ice cream cone. I always got chocolate and Dad always got vanilla. When the clerk at the ice cream parlor handed Dad his change, he would show me the few coins nestled in his palm. When we get home, we'll start filling the jar again. He always let me drop the first coins into the empty jar. As they rattled around with a brief happy jingle, we grinned at each other. You'll get a college on pennies, nickels, dimes, and quarters, he said, but you'll get there. I'll see to it to that. The years passed and I finished college and took a job in another town. Once, while visiting my parents, I used the phone in their bedroom and noticed that the pickle jar was gone. It had served its purpose and it had been removed. A lump rose in my throat as I started at the spot beside the dresser where the jar had always stood. My dad was a man of few words and never lectured me on values of determination, perseverance, and faith. The pickle jar had taught me all these virtues far more eloquently than the most flowery of words could have done. When I married, I told my wife Susan about the significant part the lowly pickle jar had played in my life as a boy. In my mind, it defined more than anything else how much my dad had loved me. No matter how rough things got at home, Dad continued a doggedly drop his coins into the jar. Even the summer when Dad got laid off from the mill and Mama had to serve dried beans several times a week, not a single dime was taken from that jar. To the contrary, as Dad looked across the table at me, pouring ketchup over my beans to make them more palatable, he became more determined than ever to make a way out for me. When you finish college, son, he told me, his eyes glistening, you'll never have to eat beans again unless you want to. The first Christmas after our daughter Jessica was born, we spent the holiday with my parents. After dinner, Mom and Dad sat next to each other on the sofa, taking turns cuddling their first grandchild. Jessica began to whimper softly and Susan took her from Dad's arms. She's probably needs to be changed, she said, carrying the baby into my parents' bedroom to diaper her. When Susan came back into the living room, there was a strange mist in her eyes. She handed Jessica back to Dad before taking my hand and leading me into the room. Look, she said, softly as her eyes directed me to the spot on the floor beside the dresser. To my amazement, there, as if it had never been removed, stood the old pickle jar, the bottom already covered with coins. I walked over to the pickle jar, dug down into my pocket, and pulled out a fistful of coins. With a gamut of emotion choking me, I dropped those coins into the jar. I looked up and saw that Dad, carrying Jessica, had slipped quietly into the room. Our eyes locked, and I knew he was feeling the same emotions I felt. Neither one of us could speak. I hope that made you smile. So the next one's called The Burglar. So a burglar broke into a house one night. He shined his flashlight around looking for valuables. And when he picked up a CD player to place it in his sack, a strange disembodied voice echoed from the dark saying, Joshua is watching you. He nearly jumped out of his skin, clicked his flashlight off and froze. When he heard nothing more after a bit, he shook his head, promised himself a vacation after the next big score, then clicked the light on and began searching for more valuables. Just as he pulled the stereo out so he could disconnect the wires, clear as a bell, he heard, Joshua is watching you. Freaked out, he shined his light around frantically, looking for a source of the voice. 
Finally, in the corner of the room, his flashlight beam came to rest on a parrot. Did you say that? He hissed at the parrot. Yep, the parrot confessed, and then squawked. I'm just trying to warn you. The burger relaxed. Warn me, huh? Who in the world are you? Moses, replied the bird. Moses, the, bird, the burglar laughed. What kind of people would name their bird Moses? The kind of people that would name a Rottweiler Joshua. So the next story I'm going to tell you about is a tribute to my wife. She has been a hairdresser for 38 years, and this is called The Haircut. A teenage boy had just passed his driving test and inquired of his father as to when they could discuss his use of the car. His father said he'd make a deal with his son. You bring your grades up from a C to a B average, study your Bible a little, and get your hair cut, then we'll talk about the car. The boy thought about it for a moment, decided he'd settle for the offer, and they agreed on it. After about six weeks, his father said, Son, you brought your grades up, and I've observed that you have been studying your Bible. But I'm disappointed you haven't had your hair cut. The boy said, You know, Dad, I've been thinking about that, and I've noticed in my studies of the Bible that Samson had long hair, John the Baptist had long hair, and Moses had long hair, and there's even strong evidence that Jesus had long hair. Dad's reply, did you also notice they all walked everywhere they went? So next I wanted to play a kind of fun and joyful song. And uh, what better song to play than Joy to the World by Tommy Walker. And here it is. Truth and grace. 
song usually we listen to that at christmas but you know i figured we need some joy in our life today and that was an appropriate song so the next story i'm going to tell you is called the mischievous brothers two little boys at age eight and ten are excessively mischievous they are always getting into trouble and their parents know all about it if any mischief occurs in town the two boys are probably involved the boy's mother heard that a clergyman in town had been successful in disciplining children so she asked if he would speak with her boys. The clergyman agreed, but he asked to see them individually. So the mother sent the eight-year-old in first in the morning with the older boy to see the clergyman in the afternoon. The clergyman was a huge man with a booming voice, sat the younger boy down and asked him sternly, Do you know where God is, son? The boy's mouth dropped open, but he made no response. Sitting there wide-eyed with his mouth hanging open, 
So the clergyman repeated the question in an even sterner tone. Where is God? Again, the boy made no attempt to answer. The preacher raised his voice even more and shook his finger in the boy's face and bellowed, Where is God? The boy screamed and bolted from the room, ran directly home and dove into his closet, slamming the door behind him. When the older brother found him in the closet, he asked, What happened? The younger brother, gasping for breath, replied, We are in big trouble, dude. God is missing, and they think we did it. The next story is about Pastor Norton. The Reverend Francis Norton woke up Sunday morning and, realizing it was an exceptionally beautiful and sunny early spring day, decided he just had to play golf. So he told the associate pastor that he wasn't feeling very well and convinced him to say Mass for him that day. As soon as the associate pastor left the room, Father Norton headed out of town to a golf course about 40 miles away. This way, he knew he wouldn't accidentally meet anyone he knew from his parish. Setting up on the first tee, he was alone. After all, it was Sunday morning and everyone else was in church. At about this time, St. Peter leaned over to the Lord while looking down from the heavens and exclaimed, You're not going to let him get away with that, are you? The Lord sighed and said, No, I guess not. Just then, Father Norton hit the ball and it shot straight toward the pin, dropping just short of it, rolled up, and fell into the hole. It was a 420-yard hole-in-one. St. Peter was astonished. He looked at the Lord and asked, Why did you let him do that? The Lord smiled and replied, Who's going, Who is he going to tell? So the next story I'm going to tell is called God's Song. Wishing to encourage her young son's progress on the piano, a mother took her boy to a Paderewski concert. After they were seated, the mother spotted her friend in the audience and walked down the aisle to greet her. Seizing the opportunity to explore the wonders of the concert hall, the little boy rose and eventually explored his way through a door marked No Admittance. And when the house lights dimmed and the concert was about to begin, the mother returned to her seat and discovered that the child was missing. Suddenly the curtains parted and the spotlights focused on the impressive Steinway on stage. In horror, the mother saw her little boy was sitting at the keyboard, innocently picking out Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. At that moment, the great piano master made his entrance, quickly moved to the piano, and whispered in the boy's ear, Don't quit. Keep playing. Then, leaning over, Paderewski reached down with his left hand and began filling in the bass part. Soon, his right arm reached around the other side of the child and he added a running obligato. Together, the old master and the young novice transformed a frightening situation into a wonderfully creative experience. The audience was so mesmerized that they couldn't recall what else the great master played, only the classic Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. You know, and that's the way it is with God. What we can accomplish on our own is hardly noteworthy. We try our best, but the results aren't exactly graceful, flowing music. However, with the hand of of the Master, our life's work truly can be beautiful. Next time you set out to accomplish great feats, listen carefully. You can hear the voice of the Master whispering in your ear, Don't quit. Keep playing. Feel His loving arms around you. Know His strong hands are there helping you turn your feeble attempts into true masterpieces. God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And he's always been there to love and guide you onto great things. 
So the next story I'm going to tell you is, it's one of my favorites, and here it is. So a salesman calls the house, and the little boy answers the phone, so goes, Hi, how are you doing? Is your mom at home? Little boy goes, Yeah. Well, can I talk to your mom? No, she's busy. Oh, your mom's busy. Is your dad at home? Yeah. Okay, can I talk to him? No, he's busy. Okay, so your mom, your dad's there, and they're busy. Is anybody else there? The police department. Oh, you mean like a police officer? Yeah. Okay, talk to one of them? No, they're busy. Okay, is there anybody else there? Yeah, the fire department. You mean like a fireman? Yeah. Okay, can I talk to one of them? No, they're busy. Okay, okay, let me get this straight. Your mom's there. Your dad's there, the fire department's there, the police are there, they're all busy. What are they doing? They're looking for me. So what I'd like to do next is, I'd like to play you how Steve Harvey introduces Jesus Christ. And here it is. If I had the pleasure of bringing out Christ, this is just how I would do it. It ain't got to be the way you do it. You might not think it's just right, but this is how I would do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to list. He has done the impossible time after time. He hailed out of a manger in Bethlehem, Jerusalem by way of heaven. His mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church today. His daddy is the author of a book that has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. He fed 5,000 hungry souls with two fish, five loaves of bread. He can walk on water, turn water into wine. No special effects, no camera tricks. He has a headshot on every church fan across the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he was hailed the king of all kings, ruler of the universe, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, the bright and the morning star. Some say he's the Rose of Sharon, and some say he's the Prince of Peace. Get up on your feet. Put your hands together and show your love for the second coming of the one and only.
God has been good. And that is how Steve Harvey introduced Jesus Christ, not at church, but Steve Harvey introduced Jesus Christ at the end of his comedy routine at the Apollo. So that kind of wraps it up. What I'd like to tell you guys is take a break, spend some time with Jesus, and laugh, smile, relax. And my prayer as always is that God blesses the journey you're on with him and you embrace the path that he has you on. Next week's episode is going to be on You Were Made by God. You guys can connect with me at PositiveLightPodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, and there's a new podcast coming out. I want you guys to check it out. It's by Spencer Oliver and Chris Finkston. Chris is the guy that helped me put this together with Mark. And their new podcast is called EMS 2020. You can also catch medical stuff with Mark and Chris and my podcast, anywhere you download your podcast for free. It's been a great week, guys. I hope you got a good smile or laugh out of this. We'll catch you next week.